welcome to the Bottom Boys podcast, the podcast where we highlight Congolese talent oh, around the diaspora and Africans all throughout the diaspora. I'm your host, Blake Owisa, here with Julian Chikuna and our cricket manager, Patrick Obanza, counting right. this money. Right, right. So today's guest began acting in 2009 after turning down a basketball scholarship in his second year of college in Toronto. He would later complete the Actors Conservatory at the Canadian Film Center in Toronto. 2014 would mark a turning point in his career where he would produce his first short film, uh, excuse my pronunciation, Agope, right? And co-produced the first and second season of the award-winning web series, Teenagers. For his performance in the second season of Teenagers, Kabongo received a Canadian Screen Award nomination. Since then, he has built up an impressive list of credits, including appearances in feature films such as The Animal Project, Pompeii, Anti-Birth, Brown Girl Begins, and Extracurricular. In addition, he was one of the leads in the Netflix series, 21 Thunder. It is our pleasure to welcome to the podcast our brother, Emmanuel Kabongo. Yes, yes. I like how you pronounce it. It's Kabongo. It's good. It's Kabongo? Like Bongo. Bongo, I'm sorry. The American school system, they don't teach us anything. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, no. Thanks for being here. And Emmanuel, so tell us about yourself and why did you get into acting? Well, I was born in Congo, Lubumbashi. Okay. Um, oh, oh. Yeah, 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 in the 80s. Right. And uh, I'm the oldest of six. One of my siblings was adopted. Uh-huh. And, and uh, in 1993, my parents felt because of the Civil War, it was time to leave. Our lives were in danger. And so because my father wanted a better life for the family, we decided to make the move to North America. The destination initially was New York, right. and, and we, my father had his visa first, so we went, we, we tried to go via South Africa, Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. So me, my mom, my siblings, we snuck out to Zambia, and from Zambia we took a plane to South Africa, and my father had his visa first, and he made his way to New York, and we stayed thinking the process was going to take two weeks. The process lasted for five years. So my father had complications with immigration in New York, and so he couldn't migrate into the United States, but he already had siblings in Toronto. So mm. he went up north to Toronto and had to start from scratch. Mm. And that took him five years to make enough money to then uh, buy visas. Right. So in the process, living in South Africa, we only spoke French and uh, we didn't know English. My mother spoke to us in in uh, her native tongue, Swahili, when she got pissed off, you know, <laughs> it was a little bit of that discipline. And uh, but for the longest part, we lived with other families. We didn't have a place to live. When we finally did have a place to live, we lived in a small uh, bachelor in uh, Johannesburg and we had one bed, one bathroom. Our mother used to usually sleep on the ground and we all slept on the bed. Mm. And then uh, there were moments when my mother couldn't pay rent. So we had to stay with neighbors. There were other moments where we had to stay at the church uh, and, um, or stay with other families that already had five kids. Right. So right. We were in one family, one household with 10 children. Uh, but for fun, what me and my siblings used to do was play soccer. We all wanted to be soccer players. 
and uh, and then we didn't have the television, but we had neighbors who had uh, televisions. So my mom, uh, during her downtime, because she couldn't really work, she used to go to the neighbors and watch the soap operas, Days of Our Lives, Bold and the Beautiful, Young and the Rest, Dallas. Mm, Dallas. <laughs> yeah, and so and she also enjoyed the action hero films uh, of the 90s, you know, Chuck Norris, Van Damme. So hey, that's, that's, that's great comedies right there. So I grew up, I grew up watching all those, all those movies, you know, Van Damme, Bloodsport, and hey. Double Impact, you know, my mom really? made those films. And so with my siblings, we used to run out and try to pretend we were these characters. We didn't even speak English, you know. I remember the first time I heard, I remember the first time I heard a Tupac song. It was California Love. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh and we didn't know the we didn't know the, the, the lyrics. So me and my siblings just to be like we just used to be like English, you know what I mean? But uh we uh the first time we we, we finally had the, the money to, to, to travel to Toronto, uh we got arrested. Somebody oh. sold my mom false documents. Wow. So, um, yeah, 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 it was horrible. We, we, we got put in jail in the South African jail with our mom. She had to go to trial, but the family, friends that we had were able to come get the kids out because they couldn't keep kids in a, in a woman's jail with their mom. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, a few months later, we tried again, and that's when we were able to make it to Toronto in 1998. And, um, my siblings and I didn't understand what snow was. Right. We didn't understand what this game hockey was. But, you know, there was a game that was called basketball that kind of looked like, you know, all the, you know, majority of the kids in the neighborhood played. So we yeah. all gravitated towards basketball. And uh, for me, I didn't flourish as fast as my siblings. You know, three of my siblings received scholarships to play. Uh, in the U.S., uh, my brother was the first time I actually went to L.A. was because of one of my brothers. He was a McDonald's All-American, Jordan All-American, Elite Twenty Four. Get out of here! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, you know, if I went to McDonald's All-American game in in Chicago because of him, uh -huh. and uh, he was getting recruited by Duke, Syracuse, the Gators, and uh, Longhorns. And he picked wow. all horns. That's when uh, Tristan Thompson, Corey Joseph, they were there. Yeah, I know that team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Durant were buddies. And um, anyway, that's a different story. Uh -huh. you know, my brother had his had his. Uh, he's still trying to find his way back in the league. He played in the NBA a little bit. He played overseas, and um, now he's trying to find his way back. He's focusing on music too. Wrong. Uh, my sister played at University of Delaware, and uh, she wanted to go to the league too, but she got injured. Right. And, uh, right. But that injury was the gift, in, a gift in disguise, because she was able to get her master's in accounting. Mm -hmm. and so now she works at uh, Price Waterhouse out in New York. Uh, very smart, very intelligent woman, and uh, mm -hmm. she also does some modeling on the side. And uh, my youngest brother now, he's the only one that's born in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And he goes to University of Virginia Tech, also on a basketball scholarship. He's also a wonderful writer. He does music as well. It's awesome. And for me, I I wanted to receive a scholarship like some of my siblings, but I wasn't as tall. 
You know, my youngest brother is six five. My other brother is six three. Uh-huh. Sister's five eleven. I'm five eleven, six foot. So I'm like, why am I not as tall as the rest of my family members? No. At the age of twenty three, I found out I had scoliosis. Oh. So uh, because of sports and growing up and being very active, uh, it was able to help. My, my muscles keep me structured. Right, bone structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I didn't know why my back was curved in an S until I went to a doctor and they told me, oh, you have what's called scoliosis, mm-hmm. but it doesn't affect my, my health. It doesn't affect my back. But it took away three inches of my height. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I was supposed to be like 6'3", you know. Yeah. So I think about it all the time. Like, man, what would I, what would have happened about six three? You know, where would I have been? I would have probably you know, been playing basketball or soccer somewhere. But um, it was a gift in disguise because since my mom used to like film and TV shows and it made her happy, mm-hmm. I always wanted to make my mom proud and make my mom happy. You know, because for the longest time living in South Africa, separated from my father, she was always sad. You know, mm-hmm. not knowing when, when she was going to see her husband, not knowing. When our father so when i at the age of 15 i told my dad i wanted to act and all he knew was background work because he used to do some background work when he lived in toronto just to make extra cash to send to my mother Mm -hmm. and one day when we're still in south africa he would send my mom photos and letters and in one of these photos he was on a set and I asked my mother, well, well what, what's this? And she told me, oh, he's acting, he's doing a movie. I'm like, well, what do you mean? It's like, well, he's acting. So that stuck with me until I came to Toronto. Yeah. And my father put me in background acting. That's all he knew. I didn't know how to kind of get my hands on or get involved with uh, principal work. So I kind of gave it up. I was discouraged because I didn't know anybody in the film industry. Yeah. And I did maybe three, four background gigs as a 16 year old and then I just gave it up and focused on sports mm-hmm. and it was until um, my second year at college that I took a one year program in acting mm-hmm. and that's when I realized the steps that you had to take to become an actor that does principal work and so at the end of that year I got offered a basketball scholarship to go to a university here in Canada and I was really excited I'm like yes finally I got a scholarship, finally. Yeah, yeah, like your siblings, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go to the NBA, but you know, I'll probably play overseas somewhere. At the same time that that happened, I was taking. I was really interested in acting through what I learned in the program, but I knew I didn't want to do theater. I wanted to focus more on film and TV. Yeah. So I started taking workshops for film and TV outside of school. And when that happened, I landed my first student film. And that student film got, got uploaded on YouTube. So when I saw this film for the first time, I was intrigued and moved. Like, oh my God, I think I think this, I think I like this. I think this is where I want to go. So, you know, being a Congolese Congolese uh, man and son, parents, you know, I was like, school, 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 but today and, I got you uh, into it, though. What? But I wanted to follow my heart. You know, I really wanted to follow my heart. And, and you know, sometimes the pressures of parents can be can be very hurtful. 
you know, as Congolese parents, they, you know, they, they want, we, they want what's best for their kids, but they do it sometimes in the way that they were taught how to do, which yeah. is compare, you know, regarde cousins, regarde amis, you know, look at what they're doing. But uh, through the teachings of my teacher, I learned how to, how to stand my ground respectfully, right. you know, and um, I gave up the scholarship and dove into acting. And it wasn't easy at first. It was very, very tough. Um, and so I had a lot of part-time jobs. I worked at a daycare for the longest time. I worked with kids for over 10 years. Right. McDonald's, uh, telecommunication. I did it all, man. Like door to door, cleaning, serving, working at a restaurant, everything. I've done it, <laughs> you know? And then... Uh, Finally landed some gigs and got my first agent, but it was also through hustling because I, you know, with acting, you can't just wait for your agent to call you for parts. You know, you gotta hustle. Right. right. And then, uh, you know, my mom introduced me to Denzel. You know, so I really started getting inspired because she would go to Blockbuster and rent all his movies and make us watch it. Blockbuster. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. man. And then. Um, uh, when I went to LA to the first time I went to LA was because my brother had uh, this tournament for at uh, Venice Beach uh -huh. where Elite 24 top 24 players in the country and when I visited LA for the first time I was like you know I think this is where I want to be right. and then from that moment I started working on attaining my visa getting representation in LA so I got a manager I got my visa and then I got an agent and then I moved to LA. But you know, there's more stories in between that. I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk. Just, well, well, first of all, man, that's an incredible story. I like it. I, I thank you for explaining your backstory because, like, a lot of us, especially this generation, we don't know what our parents had to go through. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I think I think we can agree upon this. Like, I know us three, we always say this. We're the first generation that didn't deal with colonization. Yeah. We don't have the same type of complex our parents have. No. You know what I mean? Like, no. I, because, you know, when I hear stories of my mom and my dad, how, you know, we had to go to Cameroon. From Cameroon, we went to France. And from France, yeah. we went yeah. to the States. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. that type of trauma and stuff like that. I, as we get older, I understand why they're like, no, go to school. Yeah. I want you to be yeah. secure. Yeah, you know like, like yesterday, my mom showed me an old black and white photo of her grandfather, which is my great great grandfather. Who you know, I've never met, obviously, but it was my great grandfather with all his kids, which is my mom's father, my mom's father, and none of them had shoes oh. in this photo. None of them. No, I'm just like I'm just looking at it, and it it brought. I don't know if you know the book uh, King Leopold's Ghost. Oh, I have it. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's part of the same day, actually. Yeah, you know, so I have that book, and it just brought me back, and it made me think, like, I wonder if people in my bloodline went through that. I wonder if, like, my great-great-great-great-great-grandparents had their hands cut off. Oh, yeah. Oh, they didn't, because they didn't, you know, uh, get rubber, rubber yeah. you know what I mean? So it's it's just... It's crazy that, you know, we're, we're lucky that we didn't yeah. have to go through this. And so, like, I get it, you know, when you say parents, you know, like, they always want one. Because it's ingrained in them to want what's better. 
Right. You know, but there's also a lot of that stuff is based on fear. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I'm, I'm reading this book now called It Didn't Start With You. If any, mm. I don't know if any of you have read, heard about it. It's oh. a, you have to get this book. It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin. And basically what it's about, it's about why, you know, this whole thing, uh, generational curses. Yes, mm. yeah. How things are passed down. Now it's been proven scientifically. Now, it's not just the word. It's not just the saying. It's been proven scientifically with uh, lab rats that you can pass down traumas from your great, great, great grandparent or great, great grandmother or uncle or daughter or son. And it affects you without you experiencing it firsthand. Emmanuel, uh, 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 I'll give you a little backstory. I agree a thousand percent. Uh, I have a master's in biomedical sciences, right? Uh, a woman's eggs, like a, 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 a what do you talk about? Tra transfer of trauma, right? So you can see a little girl that's like three years old, right? Her eggs aren't developed, right? Yeah. But that trauma for her great grandma. There it is. Yeah, that's in the book. That's right, right. The book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yo. So this whole idea of like people being angry because, and we'll talk about it later with the yeah. George Floyd, also this stuff. Yeah. This is seven hundred years of a buildup. Yeah. This ain't yeah. two weeks ago. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Patrick, I don't know. Go to the next question. I'm sorry. This is oh, this is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you uh, and you kind of touched on it. I mean, you said your your parents weren't really with it. Um, but just kind of jumping back, obviously, to your 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 career as an actor, because you been lucky you've been able to work in canada the film industry and yeah. here in the states yeah. like what are like the major differences you've noticed between the two I industries think, i think the only difference is the quantity of work mm -hmm. you know there's way more yeah. when it comes to the film industry you know it's fueled mostly within the, the united states you know mm -hmm. so there's a lot more opportunities in the u.s than there is in canada mm -hmm. uh Canada, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal has a lot of tax breaks, you know, so it's cheaper to film in Canada than it is in, 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 in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of American productions come to Toronto or go to Vancouver or Montreal or, you know, up north from Toronto because it's much more cheaper to film mm -hmm. here. But sometimes when these American productions come, a lot of these lead roles have already been filled. Uh, you know, whether it's with actors from the UK or actors from the United States or actors from Australia, some of these major roles are already filled. And so when they do come with a production, uh, sometimes, you know, like you're competing. If you stay here, you're competing for the uh, character that has either three scenes or four scenes or sometimes a small supporting role. Yeah. That's why it's always better. You, you find a lot of Canadians after they hit this glass ceiling here in Canada, they go to the United States to try to expand a bit more because there's way more opportunities, way, way more opportunity than there is here in Toronto or in Canada. That's the difference. And also in pay as well, right? You make more money in the United States than you would here in Canada. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, oh, go ahead, Julie, my fault. Go ahead to the next one, Julie, my fault. Uh, so since you know you can answer like a little bit of the you know the journey, um, so I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm seeing the questions here. So yeah, tell us uh, about yourself and um, uh, 
He's on number three. The three, right? Yeah. Three, yeah. yeah. How has COVID uh, affected the entertainment industry? Well, everything has stopped. Everything has shut down because they have to create new regulations on how filming is going to go through because uh, a set isn't just you know 10 people it's a it's a it's it's a village right you know depending on the kind of project you're, you're, you're making you know depending whether it's a studio film or whether it's something that you're shooting on location with this invisible enemy that's now being said that it's sometimes airborne or you know could live on surfaces for a number of hours it's scary for productions to trust going into the street or going into a hotel to film a scene you know mm -hmm. so it's affected a lot of people and a lot of productions have been held back and so what a lot of people are doing they're trying to do some stuff at home you know you know some films are being made through zoom like conversations which is pretty uh um, interesting and different creative, and different and creative but yeah. uh, for me how it's affected me it's made me think about expanding other skills like writing yeah my own stuff uh, through this um uh, quarantine, I've had the opportunity to create a production company. I've always had an idea to create a production company. Right. We just didn't have an, uh, a name for it. And so through this downtime, lots of meditation and praying, this name just, you know, uh -huh. um, came out of nowhere. And um, it's also allowed me to just, because for the longest time, I tell myself, oh, I'm not a writer, I'm not a writer, I'm not a writer. But then you know, I'm always having these ideas. Right. I'm really good at bringing people together. And uh, and so I've tried to now challenge myself. And next thing I know, I'm there sitting in front of a laptop and it's my fingers moving. And it's not even it's just my fingers just moving. You know, it's mm -hmm. you know? Is it, man, is this safe to say with, I know for us during quarantine, I probably filmed more in three months than I probably filmed the past like year and a half yeah you've like developed skills that you didn't even think you had yeah that's so true yeah right? like, like i'm sitting behind my green screen and julian and Patrick, you guys see how much we've been like shooting i'm like oh i know how to edit now i didn't think yeah. i could edit yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah. It's yeah. You to like edit or whatever um how do you think and this is not a question we wrote down but talking about the effect of the entertainment industry how do you think the entertainment industry moves forward now? Because it's going to be so different. Like, you know, have you have you walked around now with the mask and like we don't even know how to like walk and be normal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think though, I think one of the ways they're trying to move forward is implementing if if they're going to be working in studios is, is implementing like temperature tests. You know, so you're coming in and they're regulating who's coming in by name, obviously, like always. But now they're taking your temperature. Right. See, you know, if you show any symptoms. Like, I don't know if you've seen, there are cameras now at airports. I don't know where, but certain airports, they're able to detect the temperature within your body. Right. So I think they're trying to do that with, um, with the film industry, where they're able to detect if your temperature is at normal uh, or if not, you know, then you 
can't work or you can't come into the studio or whatever it is. But I think we're still discussing. Uh, I'm not in that kind of room to know what all these new rules are going to incline. I know one of the things is controlling um, to see who sick and who's not so that they could continue productions. I know that in, in, in the UK, right? I read something yesterday in the UK, uh-huh. they're, they're giving, they're giving leeways to certain productions and certain lead actors. Mm. You know? So like, for example, Tom Cruise, you know, there, if he's going to go film in the UK or his crew, mm. they're cutting back on the 14 day quarantine. But I don't know what the rules are yet. Like, yeah. are they supposed to all stay just within a bubble together and right. just go to work? I, I, I have no clue. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, let me. I guess let me let me ask this next one. I'm sorry to skip Patrick and Julia. What's your favorite role so far? Oh my god! If you play, um, I, I personally think it's Junior Lolo. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 it's funny. I was watching that yesterday. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I would say I would say that. Why? Because uh, it was that was the only character I was able to be to have for a long period. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, we did that for three months. So I sat with this character for three months, whereas other projects are like two weeks, right. a month, or a month and a half. But this character was for three weeks. So every day on set, uh, minus the weekend. I was able to discover something new about the character and about myself. So another thing too that was fun about playing this character was I wanted to tap back into like the 18, 19 year old me. Yeah. So I, I didn't drink for the entire, I didn't have a, a sip of alcohol for the entire uh, <laughs> filming, you know? So when, we, when I would go out with the cast and crew, uh-huh. And some of them would, you know, try to enjoy themselves and have some wine. Uh-huh. I would have my lemon water and, 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 and piece of lime, you know, uh-huh. soda water, and just, you know, stay like keep my vessel clear. Yeah. You know, but uh, no, it was it, it was it was really fun because it it really allowed me to to tap tap parts of my spirit that. Uh, I felt I was incapable because when when I got, I had read the pilot. I I had read the pilot before I got the audition, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, it'll be so nice to play Junior Lolo, but I might be too old for it. So you know, so I I initially uh, shot really low when I read uh-huh. the pilot. You know, maybe you know, maybe I could play one of the coaches. You know, like maybe, you know, I was, I was in my early twenties when I got the part. And then when I got the audition for Junior Lolo, I was I was surprised. Like, oh, okay, so yeah, so that was the most fun. Amanda, do you think playing that um, that role, Junior, it also kind of tapped into your athletic portion of your life too, like where you were as an athlete? Yeah, big time. Because it got me it got me to do two of to have two of my passions in one. Because right. I wanted to be a soccer player first before yeah. actor, right? So I was like, yes, I get to be a soccer player yeah. on set and act. Um, for example, they had they had a stunt double for me because they didn't think I could play soccer. 
Uh, you know, they didn't think I could play soccer. So when I when I went to my audition, after my first audition, I went back home. My brother was back in Toronto for the summer. And I had this thing thing within me to record myself playing soccer. So I went to the park. I wore my soccer shorts, gave my brother my phone. I said, record me picking the ball. So I kicked the ball a few times, did some tricks and keep ups, shot it at the net, went back home, got on my laptop, created a one-minute um trailer and uh, I, hey. I put some some music from the hey. in the background you know what i mean hey. yeah. you we put magic system. We put magic system. yeah and then i sent it i sent it to the producers and i sent it to casting and then when i got a call back they were they they made sure they put in their notes for every actor that has a call back please also include a video of yourself showing your soccer skills oh. so i was ahead Right. I was ahead of what they were planning, and when I got the role, the producer was like, "Thank you very much for sending us that video, because if it wasn't for you sending us that video, we wouldn't have auditioned. We wouldn't have said told people to uh, send us a video of them showing their soccer skills. We would have, wow. just, you know, casted people based on their word. Hmm. So yes, you know, it, it definitely challenged me physically. One story in particular." I don't know if you, in the first episode, there's a goal that I score from half court. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the half the field. Oh my God, that day was terrible. <laughs> we filmed, we started filming at at 7 p.m. till 7 a.m. Wow. And wow. it was cold. It was cold that day. It was cold. It was raining. And, and uh, the ball was wet. So they're like, are you sure you can kick the ball? I'm like, yes, I can kick the ball. I can kick the ball. I was working on it, practicing it. And then when it came time to kick it, the ball was slipping. Right, right. You know, and my toes were hurting. And, uh, and then they're like, well, we could use, use the machine that we have. So <laughs> a few times they tried to use the machine so that they could connect it in editing. But yeah. the ball kept going either too far right or yeah. too far left. Yeah. And then at one point, I finally got the kick. I was so happy. I was so happy. There's a, re there's a reaction that they use in in the take, in the actual take, and that reaction was like a real, like real reaction because I was able to get it in the take. Yeah. No, I was gonna say, um, and just for everybody who's watching, Twenty One Thunder. It's on Netflix right now. It's one yeah. season. How, I forget how many episodes is it? Is eight. it like ten? Yeah, eight. Yeah, it's a real good show. Like the one thing I will say, the first thing I noticed because I was just, you know, I pay attention to stuff. I'm black, so I notice certain things. I like that your character was the first character we actually meet. I mean, they, you see the coach, yeah, yeah. but it's you. So I was like, oh, yeah, he's the main yeah, character. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, let me. Let me pay attention to this. Yeah, and I just, yeah. I loved with that character, not just his soccer skills and his personality, but I just loved, you know, the kind of stuff like you don't always see like certain parts of our culture portrayed in the West. So the fact that Junior yeah. brings his brother with him, like I'll yeah. come, but my brother has to come with me. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, so that way that how we create families even outside of Congo. So like you, you'll meet somebody like, oh, that's my dad. But yeah. then you find I know that's his uncle, but right, right. he grew up in his exactly. uncle's house, so that's his father. Exactly. Father's exactly. Concerned. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just, I just love that real authentic yeah. part of like us, which I was like, oh, this is good. Whoever wrote this knows yeah. a little bit yeah, about the culture. Good. It's, it's funny because in my own family, my 
my uh, my mother had a sister who was adopted. Mm. And so that was kind of ingrained in my mom. So one of my cousins, who's my brother, my mom adopted. Right. right. You know, so it kind of, you know, when you're talking about like, you know, like going from one place to another place, you know, you know, you say that that's my father, but really it's your uncle. But because, you know, you have that kinship. Right. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. So in the process of, uh, you know, getting on, you know, on films and stuff like that, how do you get to pick your roles? Well, how do you choose? In the, be in the beginning, I didn't really have leeway. I kind of have, you have to pay your dues, you know? So a lot of the times I would just go out with, for what my agent was able to get me uh, a meeting for. You know, and so one thing I didn't want to do was allow the industry or casting directors or producers typecasting. So mm -hmm. let's say, you know, this week I went out for thug number one. <laughs> and next week I went out for a different project, but also thug number one. Now, my take was I don't want them to put pigeonhole me and put me in this box. So if I do go out for thug number one or or uh, uh, random man number two one week and random man number two, uh, you know, a different week for a, a different project, but similar type of characters, Absolutely. I want them to see the same person. Right. Yeah. So I would go in, sometimes I would come in really energetic. Sometimes I would come in very introvert. You know, sometimes I would, you know, change my voice more high pitch or low pitch or change my walk mm -hmm. or change my demeanor so that even if I didn't get the role, that casting director saw a different part of me. Mm. So the, the character types are the same. Yeah. Mm. So that didn't give the opportunity to one, my agent or the casting directors to say, okay, he's only good at this types of roles. Right. So I remember one of my first agents wanted to do that to me. He wanted to typecast me. And he was like, well, you're the bad boy type. We're only going to send you out for the bad boy roles. But then I was like, well, I want to try going out for other things, you know, just like a regular guy or a young cop or a young lawyer. Right. You know, the boyfriend. Right. And so he didn't see that for me, but I, I ended up not staying with that with that uh, agent. Right. But when I was able to get the right agent and have that conversation with them they were able to be like okay no problem i'm going to try to get you these opportunities so when i started to land some work on and then after 21 thunder i started to get opportunities for bigger roles you know one of the one of those roles was for uh, if bill if bill street could talk oh okay. with, uh, with uh with um uh why am i blanking right now Uh, I know the, you know you know the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm blanking for some reason. Um, but I had the opportunity to audition for the lead role in that, mm -hmm. and it went to a friend who's from mm -hmm. Brock. You know, so it, it was meant for him, and I'm proud of him. But now sometimes I get auditions where I'm like, okay, I, the character doesn't speak to me. Uh, I don't resonate with that character. So now I'm confident enough to say. To my agent or my manager, no, I think I'm going to pass on it because mm. it's not 
the it's not the path I, I, I want to take and they're able to understand that. But to get to that point, I had to pay my dues first. You know, um, one thing that we say as actors is you want to stay on, if you want to be able to pick your own roles, what you want to do is you want to stay on the casting director's list. So every time you go out for an audition, even if you don't get it, you want to make sure you do a good enough job in the room or your self-tape for the casting director to say, you know what, this person or this woman or this man didn't get the part, but they're very good. I, I kind of see them for something else to the right. where they would be like, oh, you know what, let's give him this role instead. And that's happened where I auditioned for a part. I didn't get this, that part, but they gave me a different part in the film before mm -hmm. the TV show. All right. And Manny, could you talk about that typecasting and how, because my sister's an actress, so I'm around actors and yeah. They'll chase the money where it's like, well, if I'm the thug, I'll just be the thug. Yeah. If I'm the boyfriend, I'll just be the boyfriend. Can right. you talk about that trusting your, because I think sometimes talent, we don't trust our own intuition. Yeah. You know what I mean? Can you talk about like how that's important as a talent? Yeah. You know? I think, I think the initial thing is you need to know, number one, you need to know who you are and you need to know what you want to play what you want to portray, what kind of message you want to put out. For example, for me, what I want is I want to be sure that every character that I play, every story I'm a part of, it changes the viewer's life. It affects the viewer's life in a way, you know, whether it's in a positive way, hopefully, hopefully I'm hoping for. And so this whole trusting and not doing it for money, it's, it's really about um, like your personal interests, you know? Do you want to have a long career or you want something that's fast? You want instant gratification. Mm. And I feel for me, what's more lasting is something that is a marathon because acting is not, it's not, it's not a, um, it's not a sprint, you know? Right. It's, it's a marathon. That's why sometimes you see uh, Chadwick Boseman or or uh, uh, Mahershala Ali. They broke out into the in their forties, late right. 30s, late thirties, early forties, because I feel like they're able to kind of understand what they wanted, right. the they want to put out. So I'm sure they had opportunities to or or cases where they were trying to be pigeonholed because of maybe their, their, their background or their race, but them seeing and studying those actors, knowing that they know themselves and knowing what they want and the message that they want to portray, they're able to be patient enough to then say, you know what, I'm not going to focus on the money, I'm going to focus on the art. And eventually, you know, your art is going to pay off. Eventually. That's a true artist. I love that. It's about the art, man. You want to be rich? Yeah. Anybody can be rich. You know, right. I mean, anybody can be rich, but, you know, but you don't want to sell. For me, I don't want to sell my soul for the sake of, of, of money because, like, yes, it's important to have money. You want to pay your bills. You want to, you know, you want to have a roof over your head. You want to take care of yourself, your health. But if you're, able to and this is another thing um sacrificing 
Right. That's why I said, you know, before we got on camera or in the beginning of the conversation, like I, I've done like some jobs, man, where I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, why am I doing? Why am I here, God? Why am I here? Yeah. And then I have to remind myself that you're here so you can learn how to be humble. Number one. Yeah. You know, you can learn how to appreciate the little things. Yeah. For example, one job that I had before before I landed twenty one something, I had this job. I was I was going up for all these good parts, getting close. It's either me and one guy, it goes to the other guy, or I get the call back. Uh -huh. Like, oh, I gotta pay my bills. I gotta pay. I'm behind on debt, credit cards, and I'm like, look, I need to find a, I need to find a job. You know, while I'm continuing to pursue acting, because at the time I was working at a restaurant, and this restaurant wanted me to be there full time, and I couldn't be there full time because I was always auditioning, always auditioning. Right. So I had to find something that was overnight because you don't audition at nighttime. Right. Right. So, I found this overnight job from nine to five, nine p.m. to five a.m. Monday to Friday, cleaning trains. Wow! Wow! So it's this it's this maintenance station where these express trains would come around two o'clock in the morning, and I would have to vacuum and wipe all the chairs, wipe the railing, and but before two a.m. I had to clean the entire station, mop the floor. Uh, wipe down the urinals, mug, sweep the offices, the tables, throw out garbage, pick up like uh, cigarette butts, wear you know my steel toe boots, and I was working there by myself every day. Wow! From nine from nine a.m. nine p.m. to nine, five a.m. And during the day, now when I had my auditions, I would fall asleep sometimes driving to my auditions because I was really tired. Right. You know, or I would take these long breaks because there wasn't a supervisor. You know, right. okay. yeah. I would take my long breaks. I'll go. To, I would. I would go to the local McDonald's and use their Wi-Fi to work on my visa because I'm like, I gotta get out of here, man. I gotta get out of here. Mm. So, like, two hours working on my visa application, going back to work, sweeping the floor, and there was a moment when um, I was. I, was, I remember this. I think I'm going to try to find a video. Uh -huh. I was cleaning the urinals and I was singing like old church songs that my mom used to sing. <laughs> you know, in Swahili and French. Yeah. I was sad, man. I was broken. I was sad. I'm like, God, why am I here? What? Why am I here? Why? Like, I've met Jake Gyllenhaal. I just finished this program at the Canadian Film Center. I have a manager. But why am I cleaning? Why am I here? And I hear this little voice tell me, so that you can learn how to be humble, so that you understand what it means to serve, because an actor serves, that's your job. Yeah. You're there to serve. It's not there, you know, to be like, oh, look at me, you know, and yeah, I go to all these red, yeah, all those red carpet events are fine, but that's not what acting is about. You're, you're a vessel, you know, you're trying to connect with people through storytelling. And this job is going to teach you how to serve. And then next thing you know, I get this opportunity to go to Paris to do a play and I quit the job. And then, yeah, 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 man, it's crazy, man. 
No, it's amazing because not only are you a vessel, but you went through that to tell this story to motor. You you probably don't even know. We've been on for what twenty, what forty minutes. You, yeah. I don't even think you know how much you've inspired us. Oh, awesome! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like crazy. That, and that's what it's about. Like it's like what you do is not only about you; it's about the other people around. You don't know who you're gonna touch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. sorry. That, that was awesome. Yeah. 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 But yeah, no, like just the message for your sister, you know, if she, as an actor, uh-huh. all she can do if she doesn't want to get typecast is one, continue working on her craft. You have to work on your craft. Working on your craft consists of watching films, reading. Oh, growing up, I didn't like to read because I wasn't a good reader. I was mm-hmm. good at math. Math was my subject, you know, mm-hmm. but English wasn't because English wasn't my first language. Mm-hmm. So... In my 20s, my teachers stressed the idea of reading. So now I have a library of books. I read Shakespeare out loud, like reading out loud helps you with your diction. Reading out loud helps you with yourself getting used to your own voice. You know, because sometimes you go in a room and you might, I had a call back with uh, Tyler Perry in LA. You know what I mean? I put out this tape, they liked it. They're like, okay, Tyler Perry wants to meet you. So I go there, you know, yeah, you see all these other guys, you know, I see some familiar faces and I see the casting director. This casting director is tough, you know what I mean, tough. And she works a lot with BET, a lot with Tyler Perry. And um, I go in and I meet him and uh, I do my part. And it's like, it was a good working man. I'm like, yeah, thank you, thank you. And then I left. Why I bring the story and reading is because there are moments in your career as you go through the journey, you're going to be put in certain rooms with people of power. And uh-huh. if you're not used to hearing your own voice, mm. not your voice, not your mm. throat voice, but your voice from your diaphragm, uh-huh. you're going to choke. You're going to like, because your, your ego, your, your, your nerves, the ideas that you have about these people, because there's this separation and like what, the stuff that you plant in your head. If you're not used to speaking from within yourself, which is you can learn that by practicing to read out loud, which is tuning your, 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 your instrument, you're going to have those moments that I've had where you're in front of people and you're just like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Damn, that's, that's a really great public speaking tip right there. Yeah. I remember, I remember my first audition in LA, bro. Uh-huh. Yo, I was, I was so excited. I was so excited. It was my first pilot season. It was my first audition in LA, and my manager at the time was like, "This casting director really, really likes you. They want to see you for this pilot, this lead role." I went in, and I was, I had my sides. I, I had memorized all my lines. But as soon as I got in that room, it was a new room. I didn't know anybody in that room. Right. As soon as I got in that room, everybody's just watching me and they say action. And I was like, ah, the words couldn't come out. I started sweating. You can see the sweat under my armpits. Right. They're like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Just just start all over. Go again. And I start, I start, I start. And boom, I froze again. I'm like, ah. In my mind, I wanted to be out of that room so quickly. Because I was so embarrassed. Right. Like, oh my God, I'm bombing this. I'm bombing this. I'm... I left. I walked home that day. It was a 45 minute walk. I walked home that day. 
<laughs> I was in West Hollywood. Yeah. I walked home that day. I was so stressed. I called my man, I called my coach. I told him what happened. He's like, don't worry. It's your first time. You know, just make sure you continue reading them. Right. Work on your reading because it will help you be more confident. So I would say that to your sister. You know, work on those readings, watch your movies, you know, work on your monologues and stuff. And, you know, work on different accents. You know, because there are moments when I go out for, I'm not, I'm not from the UK. Right. There are moments where I get an audition and they ask me, how's your UK accent? You know, or how's your, how's your accent from West Africa or East Africa or South Africa? It's different accents. Right, right. You know, so doing things like that as you wait, as this quarantine is still on, will, will kind of separate you from people who are kind of letting themselves go, you know, right. complaining about whether, you know, work is going to come back. Because work is going to come back. We just don't know when it's going to come back. Right. No, that's, yeah, that's real. Well, Julie, you want to get the next one? I don't want to take oh, it's Very, very inspiring. So thank you for right. sharing this. Uh, um, right, number seven. Yeah, do number seven, Julian. Since you're multilingual, how do you leverage language as an actor? Oh, that's a good question. I like that question. Yeah. There, there are moments when I would get a uh, an audition that's just straight English, mm -hmm. and sometimes I would throw some French in there, you know, just to show them that I'm bilingual. Um, you know, so I I, la I leverage that way. Um, with Twenty One Thunder, there were moments where some stuff were written in English, and I would just throw it in French. Mm. You know, I'd say the line in French, and so that from that's just to show that you know, like I, I can compute my brain in two mm -hmm. different ways. Right. So that's how I love. Even in meetings, you know, or if I. If I go to an event and um, I'm introduced to a producer who's from Morocco, you know, right away I know that, oh, they speak French in Morocco, you know, so I will try to find ways to, to, to uh, have something in common with the person. Because right. people want to work, people in the industry, in whatever industry, majority of the time, they want to work with people they like, people they feel comfortable with. Of course. So I would try to find these commonalities. Even if I don't speak the language fully, I used to speak Spanish fluently, mm. and I kind of forgot it because I, I don't use it. But every time I get an opportunity to meet somebody who does speak Spanish, I kind of greet them in Spanish, you know, or talk about, you know, the Latin world, how I connect to it, right. or, um, French or Swahili. Uh, for example, Swahili, I did a play, my first play in, in Toronto, and um, the uh, director and writer of this play wanted a song. He wanted a song in French. And then I was like, well, why don't we make the song in Swahili? So I created the song in Swahili. Mm, and hey. it worked, you know, with, with, with the character. So right. that's how I try to leverage my, my, my language and being my language. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, how do you get into character? I lock myself up. I tell, I lock myself up. I throw the key away. Uh -huh. They leave me alone. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I do, I do a lot of research. I read, and um, I watch videos. Uh -huh. I, um, I sometimes like 
it's like putting on a new jacket. You know, I would put on this jacket and walk on the street as this character. Right. Like I would beat people and tell them, yeah, my name is John. My name's not John, but you know, I would meet them as this character and try to see how it feels and try to see how they react. Uh-huh. Um, uh, when I do get a part, I stay in it. Sometimes even on set, I would tell background. Background actors would ask me, like for example, in 21 Thunder, because uh, I have an accent in the show, yeah. well, the background actors didn't know me personally. So I would keep the accent going even during our breaks. You know, like yeah, one time, you know, like, you know, I would say hi to some people, but I would keep that that uh, accent going so that, you know, it just helps me stay in it. So I, I get ready to like, sometimes I even create, I even create music for the character, uh-huh. you know, so I would create a playlist, whether it's instrumentals, and I would ask myself, what kind of music does this character listen to, you know, mm-hmm. new stuff, old stuff. Uh, what kind of instrumentals and so for that if I'm going to an audition or if I'm going on set whether walking or driving I would play that that uh, that playlist just to keep me in the zone when when you get a character I learned this in improv do you create a whole world because I see your you yeah, story. story yeah yeah so yeah, you know, yeah. Like, I know his sister yeah. I know work yeah. 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 Okay. The more the more details you have in creating characters, uh-huh. the, the 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 better it's going to help you with tapping into this character. You know, because there's a saying that I learned from my coach: uh, when you look at a script, all they give you, all the writer is giving you, is what's written in black, and it's your job as an actor to fill the white space mm. in a script. That's a bar. Because you're only given, you're only given, I guess, uh, if you want to say 10% or 90%. Let's say you're given 90% of the story. It's uh-huh. your job to create the extra percent. Or let's say you're given 10%. It's your job to create the rest of the 90%, right? So using your imagination is key, 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 which is, which is why it's important to read, watch documentaries, because it gives you a rich imagination so that when you do get a character, and you go back and you create, your mind will, will just go places. Like, okay, this character does this, this character walks like that. There's no right or wrong answers. Right, right. What you feel speaks to you. And when you do go to an audition and the director or the producer likes it, they like what you bring, that originality that you bring, they can redirect you. Whenever, whenever a, a director or producer or casting director likes you, if they give you a redirection, it's because they like what you did majority of the time they really like what you did and they're redirecting you to see if you can take direction for the director or for the producer or whoever is controlling that set you know yeah, yeah. no absolutely um we're here with uh, emmanuel cool i was doing it cool. there you go oh uh, what's called so Tell us about your production company, Unseen Pictures. I just realized that the yeah. capital E and K is your name. I just yeah, realized. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't even get that. Yeah, I was like, there must be a reason for that E and K. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and what projects do you have in development? First of all, that's congratulations on your production company. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so, Unseen Pictures is, is um, 
it's a production company where I want to focus on stories that have not been told. You know, stories that we haven't really seen, you know, specifically with some African characters, African um, um, stories. And so one of my first stories I want to tell is actually my brother's basketball story, mm. you know, and his journey. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, my brother was at the peak, the peak of his career. He was the number one point guard in the world at one point, you know. And mm. so him and Kyrie Irving were head to head. In high school, oh my goodness! You know him and uh, Cook that plays from um, that plays at uh, in in Golden State were buddies, and so before Cook went to Duke, it was between my brother and Cook to go to Duke. Oh, for real? Yeah, so, he's on the Lakers now. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, he's on the Lakers now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so uh, Mike, uh, um, the, the, the coach at Duke, you know, was really interested in my brother. At the time, so anyways, I want to tell his basketball story. Uh, there mm -hmm. hasn't been a basketball story made here in Canada, so that's one thing I want to do. And um, I'm also working on another project called Black Pill, and it deals with mental illness, mm -hmm. mental illness in relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I uh, that that story came because I'm. Myself, I'm practicing something that I've always wanted to to try. I read a book called The Weight. Have you read it before? No, I, I have a book I wanted to refer you. Go ahead. No, I've read that. The Weight. The Weight is with uh, Devon Franklin. He's from LA. With uh -huh. uh, he's Megan Good's husband. You know Megan Good. Yeah. Uh, so they both wrote a book together called The Weight, and it's about practicing being celibate. And so. I've been on this journey practicing celibacy and and also um, uh, being sober, mm. you know. And so I've been I've been sober for a while now, and through this new experience and journey, I've questioned my humanity. I've questioned who I am as a man and my art. And there's been frustration and like, I can't do this. It's so hard. It's challenging. But then, you know, this is the path less, less traveled. And through this experience, I asked myself, I wonder if there's ever been a film created about what I'm experiencing right now. So I did some research and I'm like, oh my God, Black Pale, there it is. <laughs> you know, and so that, that gave me the, uh, the motivation to create this story about a young man who deals with his own mental illness as he tries to find love. I, it's funny because, um, you know, uh, Emmanuel, there, there's a comedian out here in L.A. that wrote a book called The Complete Player's Playbook, and it talks about the, the chemical effects of relationships. Yeah. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you the book. I, I don't know. If you remember, I'm just. It, it, it's fascinating. What yeah. good relationships, bad relationships, yeah. breakup, sex. Yeah. What it does the chemically to your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, incredible. And the other one, the other one uh, Prince. It's a series mm -hmm. that I'm developing now with the team, and uh, with everything that's happening now, you know, with with uh, police force and uh, uh, the defunding of police. I know that. I know that governments throughout the world, North America specifically, 
are looking for new ways to to implement policing and how the force approaches people, especially with Black Lives. And so um, um, I created the, I'm creating the series about this young um, police officer who also deals with his his own mental illness in within the force, being wow. a black man and um, wanting different from what uh, some of the people in the force want. You know, I don't know if you've seen lately some of the stuff that's been going out on social media with, uh, I think, it, I don't know if it was Minnesota or Seattle, but uh, there was a group of police officers that were getting ready to go on an onslaught. Did, did you guys hear about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, the story I'm creating kind of deals with this character trying to deal with that type of policing and this new form of policing that that's uh, being uh, implemented, which is certain some some police officers dealing with uh, uh, victims who experience mental illness. Uh, mm. I don't know if you know about this, but there's a new form of policing where uh, these specialized forces, these specialized officers, are trained to deal specifically with people who are mentally ill. No, I haven't heard. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of spreading. There's, there's some of it in Dallas. Uh, there's some of it here in Toronto where, you know, when they know that you know, if somebody has a history of mental illness and it's punched into their, 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 their system, they know that they know to send a specific type of police to go deal with that person. Right? That's very so, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm creating this series about that. That's interesting, you know, especially in the black and African community. We don't talk exactly. about that. We exactly. Have, exactly. They're bad spirit. Yeah. It's like, he's yeah. bipolar. He's no, exactly. That's the thing. And that's what I want to talk about, you know? And that's what I want to talk about. I was trying I was trying to have a conversation with my mom about this. You know, old school, you know what I mean? Yeah. My mom's like, no. <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. You know? yeah. It's just a bad spirit. It's like, no, yeah. he, he hasn't like an yeah. issue. Or even therapy. You know, our yeah. parents talk about. Yeah. Have you ever asked, Andy, Have you ever asked your parents how was it growing up in colonization? Kinda, but not really. We've never gotten into it deeply. Yo, our fam, we need therapy. Yeah, talk about it. The it stuff goes back. Yeah, it goes back to the book I was talking about. It didn't start with you. Right, right. About, you know, things that are passed down because we do need therapy. I myself, you know, growing up, because I was very passionate. And because I didn't feel like I was understood, I I seeked out therapy, you know, just somebody to a sounding board to speak to, to unleash, to talk about my own frustrations, my own insecurities, right. you know, and it's helped. It's with I I don't know if you know this, but everyone has some sort of mental illness. Everyone, all of us. Some of us know how to how to control it better than others. Right. You know, some of us experience it once and we're able to get out of it. Right. You know, but we all we all go through it somehow, some way, and and we do need therapy, whether it's um, musical therapy, whether it's dancing. Like I like to dance. I like to salsa dance. 
Absolutely. Yo, listen. Have you been? Have you been to La Descarga in LA? There it is. There it is. That's my spot. That's my spot. That's my spot. When you are coming back to LA, we gotta go. We gotta hang out. Absolutely, man. That's how I get therapy. You know, I dance. You know, I play sports. I talk about it. I read. You know, because if we bottle that stuff in, if we bottle that stuff in. It, it builds up and then you know that's why you get some people they do some crazy stuff and they're like oh no i don't know where that came from because you've been bottling that in for your whole life and you're not taught like think about it we're not taught in schools how to be vulnerable nah. we with our parents you know they don't teach us how to be like vulnerable if you're vulnerable you're weak yeah but you know, there's, there's strength in vulnerability absolutely there's strength in being open like it doesn't make you soft it doesn't make you weak it makes you a human being yeah. you know because then what you can do is break those uh those those uh those waves that you've created within your dna to then change the outcome if you're going to have a family mm-hmm. you know if you're going to spread your seed you know like you have to break that pattern and it starts now it starts by we're lucky enough to have the internet people you know we have access to all this information Mm -hmm. uh but what what's necessary is i feel uh mentors what's necessary is 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 uh what what you guys are doing right now okay you know spreading the word you know being positive being mentors being a beacon of lights you know to say hey like you have to take action yes all right and mm-hmm. it's interesting you say that because, um, you know, one thing we got to change is use your words. Yeah. And that's how you feel. I'll tell my niece and nephew, like, if I'm upset at them, no, why'd you do that? And yeah. they'll, be like, no, they'll get scared. And I'm like, no, 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 use your words. Yeah. Tell me why you did that. You have yeah. the right to the, explain to yourself. Yeah. There's yeah. so much therapy in that. Yeah. Growing up, yeah. you just get hit on the head. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You're not listening. Mm-hmm. Oh, Julie, go ahead and get number 10, please. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me get up in this. I haven't oh, asked no question. Patrick. For sure. So for the next one, this one, so obviously, you know, you built up your list of credits. You got the projects you're developing, especially you said stuff that doesn't necessarily have us in it normally, our stories. So I'm uh, just wondering, are there any, like, Congolese actors, writers, directors, et cetera, that, like, you want to work with or are trying to work with? Yes. There is... A young female in Congo, she's a director. Um, Marie is her name. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, what's her last name again? It's, uh, what is it? Macheri, Equa, Bahamu? Yeah, Macheri, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, saw, I saw her, here, let me pull up her name. Her name is, uh, actually, I'll find it later. But mm-hmm. I, saw, I saw her trailer. Uh, uh, for this movie called Makila. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I saw her trailer. I thought, oh, this is really nice. So her and I have been have been communicating via uh, Instagram and WhatsApp. And um, yeah. I told her I'm trying to develop um, this love story that I want to do in Congo. And so that's somebody I would love to, I would love to work with because I don't know a lot of, I don't know a lot of Congolese uh, actors or writers. You know, I've been searching and then oh, I found, so I found her. You know, I was searching. I'm like, man, 
I gotta find more people, you know, from Congo. You know, I want to start working with people from Congo. So when I found her, I messaged her, and she she messaged back, and you know, we've just been having a conversation now. But that's something I'd love to work with. Yeah, I think you came to the right people because we're starting to, you know, you said like mentorship. We're starting to realize like we're connecting with a lot of people. So we'll we'll, yeah. we'll help you with yeah. that. Yeah, sure. yeah, there's, yeah, there's there's a community here. There's quite a few folks here. It's crazy that you live in LA. Like we can introduce when you come back, everything's yeah. open. We can introduce you to some folks for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think it's for for this to work for this industry to work. It's um, it's a collaborative industry. You're you're not an island in in any in any entertainment aspect or you know a place where you want to spread. A message you can't be an island you gotta you gotta collaborate and yeah trust, build that trust yeah. build that build that before so yeah um thank you no isolation, isolation is death and one of the things we try to do with this is like we got to create a community where people feel safe you know what i mean and help each other that's yeah. only we grow you know yeah yeah, right? yeah. so oh actually before you jump to the next one i just wanted to throw one thing out there because Specifically, why I asked that question because I saw another interview. You mentioned her, and that inspired me to go look up her stuff. And I just want to yeah. give her a shout out because yeah. she does have a. I've been trying to find where I can watch Makila. Yeah, I know me too. Yeah, yeah. I asked her for it. She's like, it's still, it's, it's still going through um, um, the uh, festival circuits. Oh, okay. Right now, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, me too. I've been trying to see it as well. Yeah, 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 but she, yeah, but she has a project you can actually watch on YouTube right now. It's free. Mm -hmm. It's like forty-five minutes an hour. Mm -hmm. It's called SEMA, mm -hmm. S E M A. It's a, uh, it's a project she actually did with Dr. McQuigway's, uh foundation. Oh wow! And I mean, it's a great. It's like shot very well, acted very well. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's actually pretty good. But it's just the subject matter because it's it talks about the story of some victims of unfortunately, you know, some of the uh, the rapes. The rapes, yeah, the women, yeah, yeah. And the stuff they've gone through. And it was like, yeah. I was watching it yesterday. I was like, oh, man, it's, it's great, but it's it's it's, it's definitely, it's devastating because you're just, yeah. you know, it's something you hear about, but when you see it just dramatized, even yeah. it's not even like the real thing, but just the dramatization of it, it hits you. Yeah. It's like, yo, this isn't our country. These are people like this. Yeah. And she just did yeah. a great job of like yeah. telling that story. So Seema yeah. on YouTube, guys, check it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then there's some projects that are coming out you know, which I'm sure you guys know, Ben Affleck is trying to do the uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is trying to do one now. Yeah, Virunga, yeah. On Virunga, uh, about the Rangers. Yeah. And protecting the gorillas. The gorillas I'm actually impressed with one of the guys that works in Virunga. And, uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, but my, my because I went to Congo not too long ago. Mm -hmm. I I was trying to go there, but it's too dangerous. Yeah. Right now, right now. So, I, so, you know what? Let's uh, avoid it right now. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully those projects come come to light. You know, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So we're here with Emmanuel Kubonga, right? Kubongo. Kubongo. Oh, brother. Look, it's the, I'm going to get it. Kubongo. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Get it, brother. Just keep going. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, we appreciate you. Um, so this, um, we two more questions. So with COVID-19 and the protests of George Floyd's death, mm -hmm. how do you feel as an actor? Sad, angry, if we're talking about feelings. Yeah. Sad, angry, confused. Mm. Um, 
frustrated, but also motivated and inspired and fired up because as sad and angry as this is seeing somebody killed live on national TV, it's really fired me up to be better, to do better. It's fired me up to really stand for what I believe in, which is equality, you know, and opportunity for all. Um, it's also made me reflect on why I do what I do. Is it to be famous? No, it's to put out a message so that the younger generation after me, whether it's you know, my children, if I'm blessed to have children, uh, or younger cousins, anybody that comes after me, I want them to see that if you put your mind, you utilize your, if you're able to channel that energy, that anger, that frustration, that pain, that pain, pain is the key word, you know, you can accomplish a lot more than your own imagination could have ever thought of. Why I say that is because a few weeks ago, I, um, I was on my way to um, protest here in Toronto. And uh, there was, here in downtown Toronto, the, the, the group had marched and they were all going to be meeting at this final spot. And uh, I was on my way to, to gather with friends at this location. And I was with a friend and we spotted, we spotted uh, police officers taking rocks and placing them on on the sidewalk of course they, they were cleaning them uh -huh. right and so um i approached them there were other people who were already there kind of looking at what these police officers were doing recording with their phones but i was able to approach them and question them like hey what are you what are you guys doing and uh they were saying oh well we're cleaning up and say well you, you clean up but you don't have to put the rocks on the sidewalk you know you could keep the rocks where they are or at least wait for the city to actually come in. Anyways, uh, I recorded this whole thing. The video went viral. Uh -huh. It um, has close to 2 million views now, you know, and um, I've had people message me on, on social media saying uh, how they were proud and how uh, it made them emotional to see me standing up to to the law enforcement, but not just standing up to them, but my like how I approached them. I was very respectful mm -hmm. and uh, also very calculated and mature about the situation. Mm -hmm. And so if I had allowed my emotions to get the best of me because of this whole situation with, with you know, the killings of innocent black men and women, mm -hmm my approach to those law enforcement would have been different. I would have been more reactive than responsive, you know? So that's how this whole thing has fueled me. That's how uh, the, the virus and the killings has fueled, it's fueled me to be more responsive. 
instead of reactive because we're so quick to react. We're so quick to have that knee jerk reaction. Right. Instead of like take the time to respond and respond. If if you practice enough to be responsive, you'll be able to cross that bridge quick. Right. It, it, does, it does take time to practice being responsive because we're so quick to let our fears get the best of us. And so, you know, that's why we have regrets with some of the things that we do. So um, it's it's painful and rest in peace to his soul and, you know, peace and condolences to his family and anybody that's experiencing uh, those close relations of, you know, police brutality. But this for me, it's like, okay, use it, get better, spread love. It's funny because I think you as an actor, I think what's happening as well too, like the films are going to be, I can't wait to see the films that are going to be developed post this yeah. and yeah. the stories that are going to be told post this. Yeah. Because there's so many stories yeah. that have gone under the rug that are yeah. now going to come to light where it's like, yo, I didn't know this happened. I know yeah. this happened. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I'm excited about what this does to art, music, yeah. music. film. TV, like, I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Pat. Go ahead, Pat. Okay. With this, I mean, th that's it for the main question. So, we're yeah. going to do a little commercial break uh, for and get a message from one of our sponsors, and then we'll come back with a Q&A, everybody. So, great, great, moment. great sponsor. Perfect. Let's do this. Missing your girl? Has your wife left you? Did she catch you cheating on her again? Did she find out that you leaving at 8 a.m. and coming back at home at 6.30 p.m. wasn't because you were at work, but because you were hoeing in these streets? Well, sit back and reminisce about the only woman that would put up with your shit. Drink Bantu Boys Masala. Bantu Boys Masala. Drink your problems away while she's with a real man that appreciates her. Your shit. I love that. <laughs> it's funny because that 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 video has been causing me problems with chicks, but that's neither here nor there. Oh wait, really? Really? It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. We won't talk about that. We'll talk about it off camera. Hilarious. Hi, yeah. We'll talk about it more later. <laughs> okay. Okay. So yeah, now we're at that question and answer portion. Uh, so yeah, we got some good questions that popped up. Um, for the first one, this was in response to uh, what you said earlier, Manuel, about um. Your, your role right now with the celibacy and being sober and, you know, just from what this person said, like, how, how do you respond to it? So. Very fascinating. I wonder how that has affected your, your spirituality. Oh, and that's from still safari. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, another thing too, I'm Christian mm -hmm. and um, I am, I've always wanted to read the Bible from cover to cover. And so the Bible, the version Bible that I have, it has a, a daily reading that you could do every day from January 1st to December 31st. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm in July mm -hmm. and I haven't stopped reading. So mm -hmm. a combination of that, a combination of soberness and celibacy, my spirituality has heightened. I am dreaming more. I'm remembering my dreams. I am more intuitive. Uh, my third eye is opening more and more uh, I'm able to I meditate as well and um, I'll give an example you know I don't know how many how many of you through COVID have lost friends 
I lost family. Yeah. yeah. Family, yeah. Like like not no, no, not 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 like to death, but like lost friends, like friendships have been broken. Oh um, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, because you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I experienced my own, you know, loss of friendships because of the quarantine. And uh through what I've been practicing, through through what I've been practicing and going through this friendship loss i had a dream i had a dream one night and i woke up thought about it and said okay well uh i don't know what this dream means but it was a dream about the friend that i lost right and so a few days maybe a week later i go to the beach with some friends and i see that friend in my dream i was trying to reconcile the relationship with this friend with, uh, with this buddy of mine and so fast forward now, I am in the beach and I see my friend. This is basically my dream again. Hmm. So I approach him to try to reconcile our friendship like I had seen in the dream. And he rejected my, my reconciliation. Hmm. Just, as, just the same way as I had seen in the dream. So to answer this woman's question, that's how it's heightened my, that's how it's changed me spiritually. It's allowed me to be more clear. You know, it's allowed me to be more receptive and to have more self-control and to be more in tune. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's hard. Mm. It's hard, you know, because now I'm out, you know, here it's a bit more safe. I'm out with some friends at the beaches and people are drinking. And, you know, I love my whiskey. I love my wine. Uh, Masanga, Congolese, of course. Yeah, Congolese, right? You know, but, uh, <laughs> but having this, having this self-control, and like keeping keeping that energy within myself, it's it's helped me express and also um, know parts of me that I didn't know existed. I'm painting again. Mm. You know, yeah, I'm painting again. I'm learning how to sing. Uh, it's it's weird. It's weird, but it's working. I don't know why. Mm. And it, it's it's because I read this book called The Weight. I'm like, ah, you know what? Whatever. You know, I'm I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it and see what happens. And things have just been like opening up. Open. It's the only reason why I was able to start my production company was because I practiced, you know, growing spiritually. Incredible. It's not, it's not it's not for everybody you know it's not for everyone and i don't do it to judge people i don't do it to say hey i'm better than no it's like this is my own journey trying to figure out who i am because i want to i want i would like to connect to my higher conscious self mm. you know, to be able to have more of those encounters where i sit in front of a laptop and it's not me it's not my ego typing, it's my spirit typing, and I'm just creating those stories, you know. So mm -hmm. the more I practice this discipline, the more I feel like I'll be able to tap into it. That's right. That's right. Do we go to the next one? Next question? Mm -hmm. Man, that's what's that? Yeah. And this one's from Daughter of Zion, 2019. Graphics of the world. With the changing demographics of the world, how do you see that translating into film? and television okay well like 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 you said you know you, you can't wait to see yeah how you know like all the stuff that's gonna come out i think 
things are going to be more gritty, more real, yeah. uh, less less washed down. Right. You know, you're definitely going to see more diversity. There was, you know, people were breaking into diversity more, but like you're going to definitely see more of it. You're going to definitely see more people of color in leading positions, right. uh, not just films that have to do with black characters to say, but films that have to do with humans. Right, right. You know, with the human condition. Right. You know, because there are experiences that we can all relate to, whether we're white, black, brown, yellow. You know, yes, there are specific experiences that uh, only a black man can experience or only a white man can experience. But there are also those universal stories, universal experiences that we, we all feel heartbreak. We all feel pain. We all, you know what I mean? So I, find, I feel like with this opportunity, the type of stories that are going to come out are going to be more to the core, yeah. more to the core of what it means to be human. Ah, well said. I agree. I agree. And what's the, uh, that next question? Okay. This next one is from Stella Safari. One uh, moment. Hello. Hello, Stella. Thank you. Uh, Emmanuel. Hello. You are very. <laughs> I didn't see that. Have you considered writing a book? Yes, I have actually. I've considered writing a book about uh, this, my mom's story and how we came to Canada. You know, because it was for a woman with five kids to live in a place where you don't speak the language, you got to hustle, you know, you make money through braiding people's hairs or cleaning people's houses or, you know, wiping down perch tables and chairs. You know, I feel like that's where I get a lot of my, a lot of my push, you know, so I would like to write my mom's story one day. Mm -hmm. I would also like to write my own experience, you know, of how I went from Congo to Hollywood. You know, like, I don't know if you know Sidney Poitier. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I've read his book and how, you know, you know, he came from the islands to, to Hollywood. Mm -hmm. York and stuff. Right. So uh, something along like like that, just telling my story. I think I think I need more time. Mm. You know, I need more experiences to then you know, because gain more wisdom so that I could you know put out something. I I don't think I've lived enough yet to write a story, a book about myself yet. But um, I actually do have an idea for a book um, with all my acting experiences and acting classes i want to write a book on acting mm. Mm, okay yeah I, I would be very interested in your your mom's yeah. book because when you talked about earlier how you know how does your mom deal with being in south africa where her husband and the father is in you know toronto that that's yeah that's tough it's yeah. funny because my sherry is writing a similar story mm. Yeah, so we're trying to like we're trying to like collaborate in that because she's right. She's writing a similar story like that about a uh, husband in in in, uh, in Goma who leaves his family and goes to Kinshasa, I think. And you know he's trying to bring his family from Goma to Kinshasa. Right. Yeah. Mm. I, have so, you know, I will have it. It will be on Amazon. 
Oh no, no, okay. yes. And, uh, and, we'll, and I'm gonna watch all of it. <laughs> By the way, Sydney, Sydney uh, Poitier's book, it's called uh, The Measure of a Man. The Measure of a Man, yeah. Absolutely, great book. Yeah, yeah it's a good book. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah, what's this next one? Next one. Uh... Tell us about your experience with producing and acting in Teenagers web series. All right. Uh, it's funny. Teenagers came this way. One day, a friend of mine had finished doing this short film and he had a uh, an interview with a daytime talk show to go talk about his short film. And that short film had gotten to the uh, Cannes Film Festival, short mm. corner. And so I tagged along just to you know be supportive. And he had an interview with the director of that short film. So after we after his interview with the director, the director and I connected via Facebook. And um, two weeks later, I get a message on Facebook from that director. And he said, hey, man, uh, since I met you, I was developing this, this web series. And I kept having you in mind. Would you like to read it? You know, I think it would be great for this character. And so I read the, um, I read the um, uh, web series. It was a few episodes at the time. And I said, wow, this kid can really write, you know, I think I want to help him produce this. So I wrote back to him and I said, hey, if you can write, if you can expand this web series to more episodes, instead of having a four episode, maybe eight episodes, I'll help you produce it. So he said, yeah, he went back on the drawing board, made it eight episodes. And then what I did, I contacted some of my friends, my actor friends in the industry here in Toronto. And I cast it like 90%. He cast it like 10%. Mm. And he was still a film, stu uh, film student. And so because of that, we were able to bypass some of the uh, equipment. He was able to get free equipment. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got lucky. I got lucky. Wow. He was able to get free equipment. His DOP worked at a camera shop. So oh. they were able to get some stuff you know, discounted. And uh, all my actor friends came on board just to volunteer, just to have fun, because I couldn't pay the actors. But because I had a good rapport, good relationship with some of these actors, right. they just came on board and said, all right, cool, you know, I'll come on board for like a day or two days just to do a scene or two, you know? Right. Like you, you like me, we're friends. And then um, I also had this idea on how to utilize music to promote the show, to market the show. And so we were able to get free music from some local artists in the city. And then uh, it's like it was like a give and take, you know. You give me your music, you know. I'll get I'll get it on the show, you know. Your music will get spread out, and then it's that Congolese mentality, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make it work, make it work. And, uh, yeah, and then you know, we I, I utilized some of my uh, my publicists to help us get on like the local news to spread the word, yeah. and then we dropped four episodes and spread like wildfire. It was like yeah. like whoa. This thing worked. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so it definitely did. It worked. And then we had fans all over the world uh, ask for a second season. And then through that, I was able to get some YouTuber YouTuber friends come on board for the second season. And that got to spread the word even more. And then next thing you know, I'm being approached like, hey, can you help me produce this? I'm like, ah, I'm not a producer, guys. I right. did this because I wanted to act. I wanted to act in it. 
Uh, and like, uh, actually, I think I am a producer. So then I did a short film and stuff. And, and uh, I was able to apply for grants for short films and got some grants and created right. another short film called The Man's Story. Yeah, hey, which is good, great. I, yeah. I got a chance to watch it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that's how I got into with, with teenagers. And in the second season, I got nominated for an award here in Toronto. Hey, man. It's funny yeah. because after the first season, I wanted to bring it to MTV. Mm. And um, this is how I was less experienced. Now I'm experienced enough to understand like when you want to bring something to the next level, there are certain things that you need to have um, implemented before having those meetings. Mm. Um, but I remember going into that those meetings super green and like really inexperienced. Mm. And, uh, but I... But that's why, you know, it was only able to stay on YouTube for three seasons. But going forward, you know, if I do make another web series, it's, you know, hopefully to get it on a, on a streaming service like a Netflix or like an Amazon or Hulu. Hopefully. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's dope, man. Dope. And, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned about trying to get it on MTV because all the articles that I read about, they were talking at the time, they were saying, oh, yeah, this is, they were, it's like Degrassi. It's like Skins yeah, UK. Yeah, so yeah, it got yeah, a lot yeah, of attention. Yeah, right. yeah, that was the plan. And, you know, I had, a, for example, I had a meeting with one production company. And they were like, yeah, this is really good. But uh, how do you plan on marketing it? Like, what's your marketing strategy? I was like, huh? Because I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect in the meeting, you know? Um, so I went into the meeting. Like, I just thought, hey, here's the show. This is how we're going to, this, this is what the next season is going to be like. But then uh, I was hit with this question. Well, we like the idea, but how do you plan on marketing show? Uh, you know, so now whenever I create something, whether it's a show or a film, I'm also thinking, what's the marketing plan of this? You know, why are people going to be interested in wanting to sit down or come to the theater or sit in front of their television or their laptop and watch this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know what's funny with that show, and I don't know. It's I, obviously as an American, everything it seems all great because you guys are Canada. But the thing I really loved about it, because I I was able to go through the entire series, the oh, diversity of it. Thank you. Yeah, the diversity was because you know here it would stick out because there's so many people of color in the main cast, and you don't comment on it really. I mean, there's racism that comes up, but yeah. it's not made a big deal of. Here yeah. it would be like, oh my god, they have this yeah. many black people in the main cast and you as like one of the main characters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the whole thing about unseen pictures. You know, that's the whole point of like the production company that I want to create because like I said earlier, there are stories where no matter where you're from in the world, we can all relate to it. Right. And that was my idea. That was my plan with the web series was even if I have somebody who's Korean, um, even if his, his uh, role only has a few lines, there are people who are going to relate to that character. Right. You know, whether they're in a scene for two minutes or, 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 or three scenes. So I wanted to make sure that I'm able to diversify the cast so that it's able to spread a bit more quickly. It's able to spread with people who are going to be watching because it's not just going to be uh, white folks or black folks or brown folks or, 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 or Latinos who are going to be watching, you know, it's hopefully everyone and everybody can connect to it somehow, some way. 
Mm. Okay. Okay. Oh, is there one more, Scott? Yeah, there's another one. So, and this goes along those lines, but. Do you ever get back and watch your old performances? (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Like, um, sometimes, sometimes no, sometimes it just like, I cringe, you know? I was like, ugh. I could have done so much. You know, you know, I don't know if it happens to any of you. When you watch some of your old stuff or you hear old stuff. No, I can't. Yourself, you know, oh, I could have done better here. I could have done that. That's why sometimes I don't. But when I have, um, I do take the time to also be grateful, you know, because we. We'll, I had to start somewhere. You know, I had to, 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 to begin somewhere and, uh, even though looking back now, it's not that uh, good, I guess, to use those words. It was good then, and it only pushed me to continue going forward. So, yes, I do watch my stuff only as a reminder to let me know where I started mm-hmm. you know, so that I can continue going forward. Is there, just wondering, you don't have to, but is there one particularly where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that first one, that first short film that um, uh, was put on, the one that made me decide to, to turn on the scholarship. Mm. That one, oh my god! When I look at that, I'm just like, oh, I can't watch this. I can't. But at the time, at the time when I made it, um, I was so proud. I was so excited. I was, I believed in myself. All right. I was like, I don't care what anybody says. I believe in myself. This is good. I think I want to act. And with that film, I remember when it was uploaded on YouTube, I sent it to every agent in Toronto, every agent. I got their email and I sent it. Now, if I look at it, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I sent it to every agent, you know? But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one. Uh, oh, I man. Work, man. After I'm done performing, I was like, it's done. I'm not looking at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just too much. But you know what you said earlier about reading out loud? I think yeah. I'm taking that because that, that's going to help me out because I hate my voice. Yeah. I used to be that way. And then the more I did it, the more comfortable I got. Mm. You know, it's like mm. just do it every You don't have to do it for long. You can do it, you know. Another way you could do it too is by speed reading. You know how we're always like conscious or cautious about how we say things or how we pronounce things. Yes. Another way to practice is just reading without without worrying about making mistakes. Mm. That that also helps you get out of your head, like by reading fast, reading uh, fast yeah. out loud. Speed reading. Yeah, speed uh, reading. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead, Pat. Okay. This next one, I saw you mention in another interview, so I just wanted to see if you want to touch on a little bit. Could you tell us about the Congolese superhero film you were working on? Ah! <laughs> uh, all right. Well, there's two ideas I'm working on or would like to work on. And I'm going to put it out there now. Uh, there's, um, there's, I did some research because I'm, I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan. Oh, uh, oh, okay. Now we're talking. You know, I was really sad. Ah. Yo. Yeah. LA's never been the same. We'll never be I the know. same. I know. I know. Um, you know, I emulated Kobe Bryant. You know, like I wore number eight. 
growing up, you know what I mean? And uh, and when 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 Kobe Bryant passed, I did some research on the Mamba snake. Uh-huh. And uh, the Mamba snake, a lot like there's a lot of them in Africa. And uh, part of them also come from North Congo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the Mamba is like, like they come from North Congo, like Goma. And so I developed this idea of this, you know, how, uh, what was happening, what was it, in, uh, in Nigeria with uh, the missing girls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The- Sudan. Was it Sudan? It was Sudan, right? Uh, I think uh, what, bring back our girls or yeah. yeah, was it Sudan or was it? I'm talking bring back our girls. I think it was in Nigeria. It was Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I developed I I developed this idea of uh, this man who loses his daughter and his wife through that group, but it takes place in North North Congo where there are also the the Mambas. And uh, he's taken in by this wise man who teaches him the ways of the Mamba. <laughs> and he goes on this onslaught to try to find his family again. Mm. You know, but it's through the lessons of being this lethal, focused, determined, disciplined, Mamba like mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, as he tries to find his family again. So anything with Kobe Bryant and Kong, yeah. I'm old. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's one of them. And another thing was um, um, I really wanted an opportunity for Black Panther. Mm. And uh, when I when I had signed with my with my agent in, in L.A., you know, like that's how he pitched the whole thing. And that's why I decided to sign with him. You know, he was like, I could see you in something like the Black Panther. And before Black Panther even happened, I I had done some research and I knew that Wesley Snipes was first attached to do the film. Yeah, way you know? And then uh, and then it fell through, and so I was like, man, I hope I get an opportunity one day for this film. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. You know, and like I would try to use like my imagination and like uh, story um, uh, vision boards because I have a vision board, you know. Yeah. And so. I had some friends who had gotten an opportunity for the film, but I didn't get it. So I was really sad. I was like, ah. And so that pushed me to do my own research. And uh, I did research and found a comic book that takes place in the DC world. Mm-hmm. And this comic book is called Batwing. Ah, yeah. I, know you're talking I, don't, about. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if you guys know it. No, yeah, not, not what you're talking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he knows it. Yeah, he knows it. He knows it. Batwing is a Congolese superhero. For real, Patrick? Yeah. Batwing is a Congolese superhero in the Batman family. Yeah, yeah. It basically takes place in what's going on now in Congo with yeah. corrupt politicians. Yeah. You know what I mean? With like, with like la sorcellerie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like magic. <laughs> And uh, he's this police officer in mm-hmm. Congo who grew up as a child soldier. And uh, he's basically dealing with his mental illness. Once again, the same topic, always coming back full circle. 
And the way he deals with his mental illness is he becomes this vigilante who goes out and puts on, like, just like how Batman started. He right. goes out with this vigilante, hides his face, nobody knows who he is, and he battles these corrupt politicians, corrupt cops, you know, the cops that go around and ransack people's homes. He goes out there and basically tries to unite and save the community in Kinshasa. I, I'm, I gotta look this up. This is incredible. Yeah, yeah. And his name is David. Mm. And so it's basically like Dark Knight meets a Beast of No Nation. Yeah. You know? Okay. And so when I found that comic book, I was like, yes! About it! This is what upsets me. Why? Yeah. I'm 35. Why did it take this long for me to know about this? Exactly. Exactly. So we have a comic book character. I don't yeah, know. A comic book character from Congo that. Mm. You know, we 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 don't know about, but then since then, you know, I've been speaking with lawyers and oh, okay. uh, trying to figure out like the rights and stuff. And but what I what I need, what I don't have, is that Congolese support. You know, but now meeting you guys, I'm like, okay, now I finally know some people from Congo. You know what I mean? And like, that's another thing that I'm developing as well. You know, like how to bring. Like I started writing a little script on it and uh, through like the advice of some lawyers, the best way, you know, is to really have a strong pitch, have a strong team together. And uh, as I continue growing in my career, I hope to meet like uh, the right people to then, you know, like align myself with the story. But it's a, it's a great, it's a, it's a great, when you get a chance to read it, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's raw. It's gritty. Uh-huh. It's raw. I talked about. It's about like the real issues in Congo with like, you know, with uh, the minerals and the natural resources, you know, and all these companies trying to come in and take, you know, and there's this guy who's trying. It's it's good. It's really good. No, well, no, well, no. This is. I'm I'm on. I'm I wrote it down. Back, you yeah. said Batwing, right? Yeah, Batwing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on. Yeah. I'm on this. This is. Yeah. Because I probably would have liked comic books then. I, I didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. I didn't hear about Black Panther until Black Panther came out. Really? I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, man. Batwing. Batwing. Knew, not, knew, knew, not, knew nothing about it. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's, it's crazy because, like, in a way, too, there's, like, almost like, an, like a Cain and Abel story mm-hmm. in, the first, in the first issue. Because it deals with, um, uh, it, there's a lot of history, and you see David, who's the main character, who's Batwing, and how he he grows up as a child soldier with his brother, and they get separated, you know, and then somehow life brings them back together, but he doesn't know it's his brother, and his brother is the main villain. Mm. You know, so it, ta- it it goes back to like, 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 speaking about like the real issue sometimes which is like blacks killing blacks yeah you know it's not always just like whites killing whites but what about that issue of blacks killing blacks you know and talking about that stuff you know and tackling that stuff too that's that's in the comic book and um yeah so you know god willing put it out there which no, it will happen. Um, hey. I have a story like this is too good to know yeah. that you have a comic. No, this is gonna yeah. happen. Like I think about I, the reason why I'm excited about this. I think about um, Deadpool. You know the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So Deadpool with Ryan Reynolds, uh, I know he had attempted uh, Green Latin and it didn't work out. And so uh, he found Deadpool 10, 11 years ago. 11 years ago, that's when he found it and kind of worked it and worked it and worked it and worked it. And I think they put out a teaser and it resonated with people. And so uh, studios were able to pick it up. And then next thing you know, boom, you know, it came to life. He did it in his 40s. So this is like one of those passion projects that I'm hoping to, I don't know how long it's going to take, but, you know, if it's God's time and God willing, you know, it will come at the right time. And, you know, if it happens, it happens. But that's something that I do hope to bring to life. Hey, man. This is awesome. This is awesome. Well, I'm just sorry. Go ahead, Pat. Uh, I mean, and I hope to get. I hope to have your support. You know, you guys. Support of course, support. Of course. Yeah. easy. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And thanks. I for you know what I had completely forgotten about Batwing. I had read the comic book. I actually have to finish the one I had. But yeah, I had read it like so long ago. But yeah, it, yeah. it's perfect. Actually, it's like yeah. yeah, no, it's has all the stuff you're talking about. It's like yeah. wait, so like you said, it's essentially one of the like beasts of no nation, but there's a superhero in it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not hard to really. It's like. The dude's already doing the stuff. He just happens to have a costume. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is uh, this, this is incredible. Um, okay, Pat. Um, was, was there any more questions, or do we go to our last question? Uh, I think that's probably it for questions at this point. Okay, so once again, Emmanuel, thank you for being on the podcast. Um, this is probably one of my favorite interviews and very inspiring. Right? Uh, we hope it was amazing. Yeah, I'm, we, I'm just excited that I finally met some Congolese people from LA. We're gonna get you some Kwanga, some Madesu, Mikate. We'll get we're yeah. gonna, uh, <laughs> real nice. Wait, wait, there's, there's Congolese restaurants in LA? No, but we no, have but I'm thinking about it. We're thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. There's people who make it, there's connects. Yeah. You gotta find the right folks who make right. it. We have to do it for real. Yeah. Not yeah. the LA, not the LA type, like the real Congo. No, no, no. no. Exactly. Yeah. Fou -fou. No. Yeah. Look at you. Hey, look. Muluva. Muluva. Hey, look. You know the, the the Congolese mom with the big thick hands that just yeah. makes the fufu there. Yeah, we got we yeah. got you. We'll hook you okay. up. Um, we ask every guest this. Um, yeah. what's your spirit animal? So, like, okay. my spirit animal is a leopard. Uh, it's a falcon. Julian's a tiger. So, what I'm animal? A, I'm, a, I'm a tiger, man. I'm a tiger. <laughs> I'm a tiger. I'm a tiger. All the I have always connected with tigers. I don't know why. And then the like, every time I went to the zoo, I always wanted to look at the tiger. You know. Mm -hmm. And then growing up, I realized that my birth year was the tiger of the uh, the year tiger. Uh -huh. You know, and uh, yeah, so tiger is my spirit animal. Interesting. I like the tiger stone, you know, tiger's eye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite stones. And so, yeah, so like, yeah. Tiger team in here. Yeah. Oh, well, there it is. Well, you know, uh, Manny, where can people follow you if they want to connect um, um, to you or, you know, follow you on your journey with 21 Thunder? Well, I'm on, on, yeah, on Instagram, it's simple. It's MCAB, E-M-M-K-A-B. Mm. Um, I have my production company, which is called Unseen Pictures. That's uh, pictures with a K, unseen as like the scene in the film. And uh, on on Twitter, it's at Emmanuel Cabongo. And on Facebook is also my full name. Okay. Cool. Fan page. And uh, yeah. 
Oh, excellent. You can follow us, Bantu Boys. You guys make sure you guys share yeah. uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, the podcast. Mm-hmm. You are, you're fluent in French as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. So you can communicate in French as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, um, what's called the podcast will be up on um, audio on Spotify and iTunes next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Uh, um, Julian, where can people follow you? Uh, Chickens. On Instagram, on Facebook, Julian Chikula is the same. You type my name, you're going to find me. Right. And same thing with me. You can follow. Just go through Bantu Boys. You'll follow. Oh, boys. You'll follow yeah, all. Yeah. I got you guys right here. Ah, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. And Patrick, where can people follow you, sir? Uh, so you can follow me either at Congolese.YouTubers or African.YouTubers at uh, both of those at Instagram. Um, I just got a... Uh, what you call it, Twitter account for Congolese YouTubers right now? It's just Congo YouTubers. The name was too long, so Congo YouTubers, no dot, no space, and nothing like that. Uh, for either of those, we promote the culture, whether it's Congolese culture or the the culture of the diaspora in general, or the cultures of the diaspora. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in, and Emmanuel, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just wanna, yeah, I wanna thank everybody that tuned in. Thank you so much. I hope everybody's staying safe. I hope you know you are spreading love. I hope that you know you're keeping your mind sharp, your heart, your heart protected, protect your magic, and uh, just stay hopeful. You know, stay hopeful. And I know during during these tough times, you you know you wanna you know kind of lose yourself a little bit, but you know hold on and just just keep moving forward and do the things that you care about and love, so that you know you can stay happy and 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 connected to your higher self and your better self. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for inspiring us, keep inspiring the you know the world. And uh, when I get back to LA, Fufu, Fufu, all right, everything. All right. Okay. So we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. All right. Peace. Ciao.